us from God. But there are also responsibilities that we have as well. And to to be able to fully enjoy the privileges, we must fully discharge the responsibilities. They go hand in hand. In Romans chapter 9, verses 4 through 5, we read this. Who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Now Israel was the chosen people of God with whom God entered into covenant relationship. Now we've established this in previous lessons. Before the time of Abraham, God established covenants with a a patriarch that would represent the human race as a whole. With Adam and then after him with Noah. They represented the entire human race. God established that with a person. At the time of Abraham... God did a new thing. He called Abraham out of the world. He set him apart. He sanctified him, called him unto himself. And through Abraham, he set himself apart a people, a nation, that through them, God would interact with the rest of the world. Through the nation of Israel, God would demonstrate his character, his laws, his precepts. He would demonstrate to the rest of the world what it meant to obey God the blessings that would come from that, and also what would it mean to disobey God. And the blessings would be removed. And so everything that happened from the time of Abraham all the way up to the time Jesus died at Calvary transpired under this relationship that God had with Israel. Through Israel, God sent prophets to other nations and to their own nation to command repentance. He sent a prophet to Nineveh. He sent many prophets to Israel. God revealed himself to Pharaoh through one of his children, Joseph. He revealed himself to Nebuchadnezzar through Daniel, a child of Israel. God sent his people to execute judgment on other peoples and on on other nations. They were called to reflect God's character by living according to God's laws. They were to demonstrate God to the rest of the world. They had been made repositories of his law, his word. They were commanded to know his word. They were commanded to teach his word, to live out. God's word every day of their lives. Both with humanity in general and with the nation of Israel specifically, we see demonstrated a cycle of covenant, probation, failure, and judgment. Every dispensation, every covenant that has been established with mankind follows the exact same pattern. And we'll discover soon enough that this covenant too will follow suit. Every covenant ends in failure and in judgment. God demonstrates in every possible situation that we will fail God. 
that we cannot live up to God's standard of righteousness and holiness. Not of ourselves. We see in every covenant that has been established with mankind that we fail. In every possible scenario. And in fact, after this covenant, we're going to enter into a thousand year reign. And during that time period, the only thing people will have to deal with is this. Satan will be bound for a thousand years. The world system will be one of righteousness and holiness. God himself will be on the throne in Jerusalem, ruling and reigning here. A one-world government that will be established in righteousness. So the world system, there will be nothing tempting people. There will be no one whispering in their ears. All they have to deal with is their fallen flesh. Those that are still remaining. We won't. We'll find after the end of the thousand years, that's enough to fail God. Satan will be loosed, and he will gather himself an army of dissidents, people who are dissatisfied with the rule of Jesus Christ, whatever the situations are, but that'll be enough. This flesh will be enough. We don't need everything else. We don't need everything else to fail God. We got it right here. That is one thing that we can do all by ourselves without the help of God. We can destroy, we can break, we can fail. That's one thing we can do very well by ourselves. Thank you very much. But if anything good is going to come out of us, if anything righteous, if anything holy, we need Jesus. We need to establish and to live out a covenant relationship with him. Romans 10, verses 1 through 4 says this, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. I want to stop right here on verse 2. A zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Now, we had completed on Wednesdays a biblical apologetics series. And one of the things that we established is that we, as Christians, have a reasonable faith. We don't just believe in something willy-nilly. There are, unfortunately, Christians that do believe in stuff willy-nilly. And that ought not be. We have reasons to believe the way we do. Ours is a reasonable faith. And so, having a zeal of God but not according to knowledge is not good. It's not right. Our zeal, we need zeal for God. But it ought to be according to knowledge. It ought to be according to Scripture, based in the Word of God. Based in the character of God that has been revealed to us. And so, as Christians today, our zeal needs to be based in knowledge. The reasons that we have for believing the way we do are sound. They're sound and they're sure. Continuing with verse 3, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone 
that believeth. Today, under this dispensation, under this covenant, there is no hope for Israel or for you or I outside of Jesus Christ. This is the covenant that God establishes with mankind worldwide. Jew, Greek, Gentile, all of us. The old covenant is passed away. It has been abolished or fulfilled through Jesus Christ. The new covenant is in effect. Outside of Jesus Christ, no one anywhere has any hope whatsoever. I say that unabashedly. I say that unapologetically. You can call me narrow-minded, bigoted. I'm just the messenger. I didn't say this. Jesus Christ said this. Okay? So, I mean, you can get mad at me if you want. I got my big boy pants on today. I'll be all right. But it's not me you're mad at. <laughs> it isn't. Jesus Christ is the only hope that we have. Period. The old institutions and methods of attaining salvation are no longer valid. I can't jump into an ark to be saved anymore. I can't sacrifice the blood of goats and bullocks to be saved anymore. I have to depend on the finished work of Jesus at Calvary. That is the plan of salvation today. The old institutions and methods of attaining salvation have been fulfilled or abolished in Jesus Christ. Matthew 5 and 17 says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Amen. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law and the prophets. The Old Testament covenants that have been established previously are no longer in effect because they have been fulfilled. They have been abolished through the finished work of Jesus at Calvary. Covenantal fulfillment. The Adamic covenant has been fulfilled. Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now having the, the benefit of foresight, or not foresight, but hindsight, we understand that this prophecy has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus was born of a woman. Now, some of us may not understand that it was important that he was not born of man. There's a reason for that. And that's because the sin curse passes from the father to the children. It passed from Adam all the way through us. Because Jesus had no earthly father, the sin curse had not passed to him. He was sinless. And so that's an important point to make. He was born of a woman, and that was said specifically for a reason. Jesus, the seed of the woman, crushed, conquered, and subjugated Satan in all the realm of his authority. He completely annihilated his kingdom. He destroyed Satan. Satan has nothing left. We give him power. We listen to his lies. But he has none. He has no authority. He has no power over God's people. He is still more powerful than us of ourselves. 
On a one-on-one, he would destroy me. But through Jesus Christ, he cannot touch us. He cannot do anything to us. We need not fear him. We need not be scared of his abilities. He comes after us from time to time. That's okay. Let's you know you're doing the right thing. If he leaves you alone, I'd start to worry. Under the, under the Adamic covenant, animals were sacrificed and their skins used to cover their nakedness. Right away, God demonstrates to us that it's going to take the shedding of blood to cover sin. That has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. He took our filthy rags of self-righteousness and gave us in return his robes of pure righteousness. And that only because he spilt his own sinless blood at Calvary. The sacrifice that was made once for sin. The Noahic covenant. The church, in Noah's day it was the ark, comes to fruition in the new covenant. Today we pass through the waters of baptism as Noah and his family passed through the flood waters. 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21 says this, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. So as Noah and his family passed through the flood waters, we also passed through the waters of baptism. We are taking upon ourselves the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the burial portion. Shem, under this covenant, was to be a blessing to Japheth, fulfilled through Shem's descendant, Jesus Christ. The Abrahamic covenant. God promised Abraham that he would make him a great nation, Israel. And later in the new covenant, the spiritual descendants of Abraham the spiritual Jews, or the church. We are the spiritual descendants of Abraham, and we are recipients today of the Abrahamic covenant, now through Jesus Christ. God would bless all the families of the earth through Abraham again, through his descendant, Jesus Christ. Salvation is available to all. The sign of this covenant was circumcision. They would be circumcised the eighth day. Their name would be pronounced over them, the child, And they would enter into a covenant relationship with God at that point. Today, we are circumcised in the heart, not in the flesh. Romans 2.29 says, But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Today, we identify with Christ in baptism. That is the seal, the sign of the covenant. This new covenant is water baptism. When we go under the water, we come up, our new name is pronounced over us. The name of Jesus Christ. And we are adopted legally into his family. That is an awesome thing. That is an amazing thing. Because we were not a people. But we are now the people of God. 
as Gentiles, we were outside of the covenant. We were outside of the promises of God. But under the new covenant, all may come. Everyone is welcome. I am so thankful for that because I'm not a Jew. I'm quite Gentile. Amen. But now I can be a spiritual Jew under the new covenant. Amen. Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Amen. Under the Abrahamic covenant, we're promised to possess the gate of our enemies. And today, through Jesus Christ, we have complete victory over all of our enemies. And when I say complete, I mean complete, absolute, total victory. And that's how we're supposed to live as Christians. Now, I understand we have bad days. Okay, We're still in the flesh. We're still in this fallen world. We're going to have bad days. I have bad days. I stub my toe. I cut myself at work. It happens. Life happens. Okay? But the situations that we face are not to have dominion over us. We're not to look at the situation and focus on that. We're to look upon our Savior and wait for delivery. Wait for the situation to be done away with in Jesus Christ. We have power over these circumstances and situations through Jesus Christ. They are not supposed to have power over us. Fear, doubt, worry, these things are not supposed to affect us. They ought not affect the child of God. And there's a reason for that. Because my hope is not in me. If it was, I would be, I'd be sick to death. I'd be worried all day long. But it's not me. I don't have to come up with the plan. I don't have to come up with the strength or the energy or the ingenuity to do things for God. I can expect God will do them through me. I will do everything that I can. We'll do everything we can. But after our strength is spent, after we're at the end of our talent, God makes up the rest. And we can fully expect that he will continue to do that. So we don't have to stress. We don't have to be affected by the circumstances and situations we face or find ourselves in. Because God is able. He is fully able and capable to take care of these things for us. So we don't have to worry. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to stress out. Because God has this. He always will. If we're faithful to him, if we do what we're supposed to do, he will make up the lack. He will take care of his people. Amen. The Mosaic Covenant. The ceremonial law has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The priesthood, the tabernacle plan, the sacrificial system, all of that was fulfilled in one fell swoop. Jesus at Calvary fulfilled all of it. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Today Jesus is our mediator and our high priest. He is the one that brought the blood into the Holy of Holies, the spiritual Holy of Holies. We read that in Hebrews. 
The sacrificial system is done away with because of Christ's perfect sacrifice on the cross. The blood of bulls and goats could not forgive sin. It could not. Through the system God established, it rolled sin forward. It just it forgave the debt another year, but the debt was still there. It still needed to be paid. Jesus Christ paid it in full. One of many reasons, probably the best reason why this is the best covenant to be under. My sins aren't rolled forward. They're completely taken care of. They're completely paid for. As if they never happened. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 7 and 27 says this, Who needeth not daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice, still going through puberty, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. (laughs) For this he did once, when he offered up himself. The moral law is still in effect, but is now made complete. Under the old covenant, the moral law was established. The thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. And it was enforced externally. But power was never given internally to live righteous, to live holy as God is. The power was never given. We had to force ourselves to conform. And when we couldn't, we needed to, to bring a sacrifice and get that taken care of. Under this new covenant, God expects, He gives us a much higher code. We read that in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. You've heard that it was said of old time. But I say unto you this, he gives a higher standard. They couldn't meet the old one. How are we supposed to meet the higher one? Well, God gives us the power to do that. Through the Holy Ghost, we can live perfectly according as God wants us to live. We do sin, and when we do, we have an advocate with the Father. But we can live perfectly through the Holy Ghost. We can live above sin. Amen. All the promises that Moses received of healing, provision, protection, blessing, etc., all of them have been fulfilled and realized in Jesus Christ. Those promises are perfected under the new covenant today. Whatever we have need of, we find in Jesus Christ. Are your finances lacking? God can provide. And if you put his kingdom first, he will provide. That is a promise of God. Do you need a healing in your body? God is our great physician. And he can and he will heal his people. Concerning healing... 
I'm going to be transparent for a moment here. I have struggled with this for a long time. Maybe some of you have too. I've prayed for people to be healed. You've prayed for people to be healed. And they weren't. Why? What happened? Where's the promise? It seems to me scripturally, I mean, Jesus, we don't see him healing half the people. He heals all the people. He heals everyone. Greater works, greater things than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. We're supposed to be doing even more than he did. So where's the disconnect? I'm just posing the question. I don't have an answer yet. I'm searching. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get that answer. But here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. The Word of God is true. I don't care what it is I'm seeing. I don't care what my experiences are. The Word of God is true. And what I'm seeing and experiencing is a liar. It's a liar. I certainly don't care what I'm feeling. Because I know those are lies. Nine times out of ten. The Word of God is true. It's true altogether. And if it says something, it must come to pass. No one is going to make God break a promise. No one is powerful enough to do that. So if I read the Bible correctly, if I understand the Word of God properly, it's got to come to pass. Amen. That's if I understand it properly. Of course, there are some things that we probably won't understand until we get to heaven. I accept that. I'm still going to look for the, I'm still looking for answers. I'm not going to be satisfied. But I do understand that there are some things I will just not know down here. Doesn't stop me from looking, asking, seeking. Amen. The Davidic covenant. Jesus Christ, the descendant of David after the flesh, now sits eternally upon David's throne. We established last week that the Davidic covenant was a covenant of kingship. Jesus Christ now sits upon the throne forevermore. Amen. We don't have to worry about who's on the throne in America, in Europe, Africa. We don't have to worry about the political system. I'll get involved with it. Vote according to conscience. But at the end of the day, I'm not worried how it all shakes out. My hope is not in the United States government. Thank God. Because, (laughs) if I may speak plainly, this present government is a dumpster fire. Amen. And it has no signs of getting any better. Our hope more and more needs to be in Jesus Christ. Amen. Someday, he's going to sit upon the throne here, on earth, physically. I can't wait for that. I can't wait. Victory over our enemies. Again, through Jesus Christ, we have victory over all of our enemies, as promised under the Davidic Covenant. 
The king-priest office that David typified, after the order of Melchizedek, Jesus realizes and fulfills. He is our king and priest. And we will rule with him forever as kings and priests. Amen. A salvation under the new covenant. The first thing that's required is faith and obedience. These always go hand in hand, don't they? Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So as we've established in our biblical apologetics course, we've got to understand that God exists and that he created all things, and that he created all things out of nothing. We've also got to understand that the word of God is absolutely true. James 2, 14 through 26. It's a long passage of scripture, but we'll get through this. Here we go. Verse 14, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath, have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give him not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will sow thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Seems to be a theme here. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when he, she had received the messengers, and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So we need an obedient faith, a faith that's going to respond to the word of God. And our faith can't just be in anything. Again, you know, we can believe in the flying spaghetti monster if we so choose. But we have no reason to believe in the flying spaghetti monster. There's no reason to believe in him. There's no evidence that he exists except in my own mind. Or in the writings of atheists on forums. Our faith is based in something more substantive, something more potent, and that's the Word of God that we've experienced. Amen. Luke 13, 1 through 5 says, There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of si in Siloam fell, and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, 
But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Acts 17.30 says, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So repentance is also necessary. And of course, repentance is not just asking forgiveness. It's turning away from our old lifestyle and moving toward God. Moving toward a relationship with Him. Doing those things that please God. Repentance is necessary. Water baptism. We kind of touched on a little bit ago. Mark 1, 9 through 10. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John and Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. Jesus was baptized. He was baptized in full immersion. Acts 19, 1 through 6 says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, excuse me, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? They said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands upon him, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So baptism is necessary. It's not an option. If we want to be saved, if we want to enter into a covenant relationship with God, it will be through repentance and through water baptism in Jesus' name. We also must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Mark 1.8 says, I have indeed baptized you with water, but ye shall he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Acts 11.15-18 through 18 says, And I began to speak, as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I should withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Praise God. Amen. So, entering into a covenant relationship with God, of course, in conclusion... Is summarized with Acts 2:38 and 39. Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And we understand that he has called all men everywhere to salvation. Amen. It is his perfect will that everyone enter into a covenant relationship with him. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is, what you've done or haven't done. It's irrelevant. As far as establishing a covenant relationship with God, it's irrelevant. He wants you to establish a relationship with him. Rather, he wants to establish a relationship with you. Whatever you've done or haven't done, wherever you are, whoever you are, it doesn't matter. He wants a relationship with you. He has a plan for your life. He has created you for a purpose. 
great things are in store for you when you enter into relationship with him. Amen. Let's all stand. Jesus, I'm so thankful for the word of God this morning and for all that you have yet in store for your people today. I pray, O oh God, and I am so thankful that we are born under a better covenant with better promises, that you have established us in this covenant. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, that we can know you in fullness, that we have the fullest revelation of who you are in all of history. Thank you, Jesus. I love you so much. Now we see through a glass darkly, but soon face to face. I can't wait to see you face to face. I can't wait to hear your voice. I can't wait to feel your touch. Hallelujah, Jesus. Until then, Lord, we must be busy. We must be effective for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We don't have our robes yet. We have armor and a sword and a shield. Help us to use them effectively for you in the furtherance of your kingdom and to the glory of God. All these things we ask in Jesus' name.